You're listening to My Holistic Life, the happiness over everything podcast with your hosts, Den Shay Lee and Natasha McCray. Join the holistic nation and learn the secrets that will take you from fear of judgment and living down to other people's expectations to being free to live life on your own damn terms. By listening to this podcast, you can expect to experience radical self-love, orgasms for lunch, spontaneous trips and vacay, first-class everything, and upgrade your career, friends, and love. Increase self-confidence, elevated mood, and overflowing opportunities. Your friends will praise you. You will be blessed. And your hosts, Natasha McRae is a life coach and filmmaker. Pleasure is her mission. She believes every food experience should be a party in your mouth and that life should feel good. Natasha loves Korean dramas and kayaking. Den Shay Lee is a product development guru and self-care advocate. She loves to travel internationally and never turns down an invitation to enjoy nature. Den Shay believes life should be full of fun and orgasms. My Holistic Life can be found on Apple, Spotify, and other platforms where quality podcasts are found. Now get ready. It's time to put happiness over everything. Wow. <laughs> Y'all. Is this our second like doctor on our show? We have a doctor. Doctors in the house. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I am so blown away by our next guest and I'm not going to keep chatting because you know how I get chatty. I'm going to bring Dr. Brandy Cross, Makiba, Dr. Brandy Makiba Cross on and let her introduce herself to you. Hello. Hi. <laughs> you told us a little story about your, your middle name. And I would love for you to tell our listeners about that story. Yeah. So my parents were big jazz fans and I was named after Miriam McKeva. She was an anti-apartheid activist and she was actually the wife of one of the original Black Panthers, Carmichael. Some people may know who that is. Yeah. And so my parents named me in her essence, I guess. And I think she has the most happy song on earth. Yes. Her, her most famous song, You Cannot Have a Bad Day if you listen to it. You can. And it was the one I was singing, right? Mary McKeba, ooh, mama, wait. Ooh, mama, wait. Now, people do not judge what I'm saying. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. I don't know the words either. My mother speaks Swahili and she's oh, not black. So. Oh, that's wonderful. She learned in prison. Oh, what? Your mom that's learned amazing. Swahili in prison. That's another amazing. story. That's beautiful. <laughs> it just shows us how we're all multidimensional. I think yeah. that is so beautiful. And thank you for sharing that story with us with your middle name. We have taken on this episode, I mean, the season of my holistic life to really take on ways that we can find joy and happiness from the inside out, which includes a lot of our life. But I would love for our listener to be introduced to you by you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so tell, tell everyone who you are. I'm Dr. Brandy Cross, as you said. 
I am a graduate of Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. My PhD is in biochemistry, cell and molecular biology. I'm the founder of the Pot Lab. Yeah, it's like three different things. <laughs> I am the founder of the Pot Lab. We are known for making THCA and CBDA extracts, and we are the first to stabilize THCA, which is usually kind of an unstable molecule in suspensions. Um, we've done mm. this to help people and even children with neurogenetic disease, but we've also wow. found a side effect of happiness. But yeah. the thing is about THCA and CBDA is they don't get you high. They just kind of make you have a better day. And so we've brought on a lot of depression patients and it's been really fun. We'll be celebrating our ninth anniversary this year. Wow. We've collaborated with the FDA and we've had all kinds of meetings with the National Institute of Health, different senators, including Cory Booker. So he's kind of popular. Nice. Black folks, you know. Yes. He's weird, though. <laughs> 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 he's weird. He's weird. You're like, I thought I was weird. I was like, oh, he's weird. He's weird. <laughs> and we've done a lot of work in the community in Los Angeles with getting spice off the streets, training people their spice for joints, <laughs> and lots of other things in the epilepsy community, in the special needs community, kind of getting mm. people to try something different, but also because it doesn't get people high, they're more comfortable giving it to children. Even CBD products can have some THC in them. And some mm -hmm. people are just very opposed to that and that's fine. And some people don't want to be high. I mean, it's your choice, yeah. right? So it's been really interesting to hear like feedback from all the different patients we're helping. I was just telling you backstage, I'm a principal investigator now for the Equalizer Project, which we're going to look at deuterium depleted waters effect on breast cancer in Black mm. women specifically. And so we'll be recruiting for that here in Los Angeles. Yeah, I'm just really into natural health and the science of it. Some kind of like a natural health nerd. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay! When we learn from our natural health nerds, I love right. you. Let's just say that. Yes. You said something just now, the side effect of happiness. Like <laughs> that, I love to hear that. And especially with just getting over COVID, there's like this side effect of depression that mm. has been like this big thing. And I noticed over the last few days of feeling that. So my, my brain has just been like brain fog, depression. So when you said that, I was like, oh, wait a minute, this is probably the perfect timing for this, this episode for me. Right. And there's a correlation between inflammation and depression. Mm -hmm. And so I know that COVID causes a lot of brain inflammation, things like that. So any of your anti-inflammatory teas, like chamomile to sage oh, to right. you know all of those work and even burning white sage has been really helping like some of the native populations kind of get through covid that right. has been scientifically proven to kill viruses in the air oh, let me go burn my sage again <laughs> 15 <laughs> times today the space like it's been proven uh, it's scientifically time. proven <laughs> yes so, the science is out there. I think Western science and indigenous knowledge are pretty much the same thing. I mean, I think it's natural for humans to approach problems and look for evidence to come to conclusions. I mean, that's pretty mm -hmm. innate to being a human being, I think. Yeah. 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 And it makes Man. me happy. <laughs> <laughs> that was just beautifully said. It was. And we're just like resting on your words. Mm -hmm. There's something 
I don't know. I'm feeling something energetically coming out of the screen, y'all. So let's I mean, just especially say that- when you feel like, you know, just growing up as a black woman, you're not as connected to the roots of the land that you came from or even the land that we're living in here in the States. Right. And even how we're raised, just the experiences that we have is not necessarily rooted in nature and like getting to this stage of my life where I am looking at things more holistically and returning back to nature, like trying to garden and grow my own stuff and have house plants and using herbal teas and leaning on the things and more curious. It's just like, I mean, like you just said, the indigenous people already were doing this. And here we are with Western medicine, Western science, mm. just backing it up, improving it. It's like, your intuition is leading you there, but then there's actually some proof behind it. So you could be, yeah. you know, more inclined to try new things. Yeah. There's a lot of things like we've seen in black folks that are different than other people because yeah. of epigenetics, which is a new field of genetics that just arose in the last 25 years that shows environmental factors can play a role in how your genes are expressed as we say to change your Mm -hmm. biochemistry completely. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. cancer and all these things we look at could be linked to a lot of different epigenetic things. Things like epilepsy we know are epigenetic as well. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting. When we think of pollution and the environment, you know, how we're bound to the land or not, Mm -hmm. it's very interesting. That is interesting. It makes me think of that connection as you're saying pollution and stress (laughs) and stress yeah and stress but we're fighting it with the wrong weapons Mm. it for lack of better description (laughs) literally with weapons (laughs) a mass destruction right Mm -hmm. and it's how can we really look at it from that holistic approach and i think there's just a lack of knowledge that we have like even when we when you talk about the biochemistry and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of knowledge that we aren't making that connection to then know what tools do we use to get past something or to heal. Like even as you said, the sage, do you find that has been a challenge in the community or what's your thoughts around that? Like understanding where it's coming from to know what tools have been used. I may have been actually involved in a Twitter war last week <laughs> over <laughs> a post that someone I know, you know, a person of color who's, I think they're a scientist of some sort, had said, indigenous wisdom is science. And she'd mm. put it like six times or something. And there was all these Western type scientists, mostly non-people of color, but there were some people of color too, pushing back and saying that's not the same thing. That's why I, I was thinking earlier about it. Was like it is the same thing because humans same aren't the thing. same thing. Mm-hmm. We haven't yeah. evolved all that much in the last 200, 400 years of colonialization. So mm-hmm. probably have changed a bit through epigenetics and things like that. Environmental mm-hmm. pressures. There's a lot of interesting research in the genetics of 
Pan-African people that came here from slavery. There's one recently about triple negative breast cancer and why it occurs in African-American populations more than African populations. Oh, mm-hmm. that is interesting because my mom was just diagnosed with triple <clears throat> negative and she's oh, wow. finished her last, yeah, she's finished her, her last chemo and surgery. And, and so that's very interesting to hear that, mm-hmm. the difference. Where do you think that comes from? Like in your thoughts, you were saying that it's the difference in that population being African-American versus the African. Where do you, where do you think that comes from? Well, it could be reflecting some adaptation in some other gene that made this gene different. Sometimes we look at things to make like global assumptions, just take into the case of malaria and its interplay with sickle cell. You have sickle cell, mm. even sickle cell trait, you don't get sick off malaria. I don't have it. So, you know, I, I'm sick off malaria. Yeah. <laughs> and it's terrible, right? So people who live in equatorial places tend to have more incidences of sickle cell or sickle cell trait, and that's protective. Mm. But at the same time, if they live somewhere like Canada, Right. Well, global warming, there will be malaria in Canada, but right now that's a low incident. Yeah. Newsflash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that adaptation, you know, also can cause problems, you know, in other environments, you know, right. just like, you know, we can even look at brown skin being adapted to certain climates. And if you have white skin, you will burn. As I yeah. always mm-hmm. met my white family and friends. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm you're like myself, this. but I'm wearing SPF 50. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> wow. Well, I would love to know what brought you to the study and the research of what you are doing now. Like mm-hmm. what brought you there? How did you get here to this point to be able to educate and find the A? Because you mentioned something, you mentioned the A of, and I'm not sure what that means, but if you can explain that to me and then also tell us how you got here. Oh, you mean like the CBDA? And yeah, the- CBD. Okay. Oh, yeah. So I was actually one of the first medical marijuana patients in California at 15 years old. So it was just when the laws had changed over. I had been smoking weed for probably a year by then. My parents were, are both ex-convicts. So it kind of frames the kind of household, the expectations. Mm-hmm. I've always been really hyperactive. I was the kid that bounced off the walls. I just like run in circles. I climb trees. I'd fall down. I was just very like hyper. And I, my homework was always done. I always got A's. It was like not even a thought, right? Mm-hmm. So I was one of those kids. It can be a very annoying type of child. <laughs> when I started smoking weed, they noticed I stopped being so chaotic, I guess. And I was like into, got into dancing more and like was more focused in just the way I acted and stuff. And I was more socially like my friends, like not as anxious, I guess, Mm -hmm. because, you know, there's a whole other thing of being a mixed race woman and having black friends and your white friends and your Latino friends. (laughs) Growing up in LA, you have all these friends and these different like weird dynamics, right? Mm -hmm. And it really helped me with that social anxiety. So I started going to college. <laughs> I dropped out of high school, enrolled in college. I tested out. I went wow. to community college. I went to state college. I went into the industry and published three articles, one of them looking at cannabinoids effect on metabolism. And I eventually got into Hopkins and I was super happy. Oh my God, this was like my life dream. My parents mm-hmm. were like, 
okay, our kid, like our seven-year-old wants to go to Johns Hopkins. I was a Nova kid. That was Nova babysat me. Oh, <laughs> wow. I was like my older sibling, but she was like seven years older. Mm-hmm. I was practically like right. old enough, to, you know, seven years a long time when you're that little. Yeah, that is. <laughs> She's like doing her makeup or whatever, and I'm watching Nova, you know. And everyone was mm-hmm. from Johns Hopkins on that show back in the day. <laughs> and I wanted to be an astronomer at one point, and then I wanted to be a chemist and a physicist, and then biology, just kind of molecular biology. Stood out to me in community college. I loved it. It was so cool. It was, I'm going to date myself now, it was the 90s. <laughs> and we were starting to do genetic engineering, and I was like, oh my God, cloning is so cool. You know, that's how old I am. <laughs> and so I decided to go into genetics, and I got my bachelor's degree from CSUN, Cal State Northridge. Awesome. Oh, wow. And then I got my master's in biotechnology there. And I worked like everywhere here. I worked at UCLA and Hampton and all these places. And eventually I went and did my PhD because I think I outgrown all my positions. The yeah. last position I was in was like, I was helping publish articles and stuff. So. It was a long road, but eventually got there and I just didn't want to do a postdoc. I had worked for years in the industry and I started my own company instead when I graduated. And um, everyone's been super supportive in my science community. Mm -hmm. I love (laughs) that. What about your other communities? Have you had the support? I've had some support in the cannabis community, despite the like really like obvious racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, which is ironic from the medical cannabis industry and and recreational cannabis industry because the only reason cannabis is legal is because of gay people, because of the HIV epidemic. It's like, this is how we legalize this. So what, you know, but you know, when money gets involved, it's a strange thing, Mm -hmm. but that's been hard. I think there's so much science there and there's so many curious people who think of me more as being brave uh, because there is no laws when we started doing our research project. There was no mm-hmm. guidance. And so we kind of had to make our own rules and kind of extract from other studies and kind of figure out <laughs> as we went along, like where this is going and what we're doing even. I mean, it's difficult. It's a lot of law. I'd probably take the bar. <laughs> it's a lot of um like business stuff too like taxes you know as a scientist Mm -hmm. that accounting right it's a lot of money um (laughs) and unless you want to deal with investors which is a whole other layer of problems right Mm -hmm. Um, because they have opinions and want to right they're not thinking about the science side of it Mm -hmm. opinions and agendas right and so Actually, even manufacturing something in the United States is extremely hard. So we're thankful we had a little help along the way. And since it was something new and we were very one foot in front of the other about it, testing and everything like that, and making sure that we reached out to people in the government before they reached out to us. (laughs) And creating those connections where they understood that we weren't like shipping hash or like doing anything crazy to be around for nine years. I mean, there's not a lot of people who've been around for that long. No, mm-hmm. they haven't. I think by not selling weed <laughs> yeah. or opening a dispensary, it gave us longevity. It was just like 
this THCA thing had come up in grad school because I had to medicate, but I also had to be on a very high-tech laser microscope for 10 hours at a time. So I used to make Mm -hmm. tinctures and I was like, these tinctures are great, but they're not getting me high. And I was like, am I microdosing THC? And when I looked into it, it was actually THC. And so I started purifying and making it better and like upping the dose in grad school. And then I made my company off of that. Unfortunately for me, my best friend who started the company with me, like literally said, you can have it. I'm gone. This is stupid. Nobody's getting high. They don't like it. It's gross because you're just like not getting high and you're drinking tincture oil. It's The oil's gross. Nobody likes it. What? And she was working on her MBA and I was like, damn. Oh. <laughs> it was a bad oh. business. It was a bad decision. <laughs> but it wasn't because then it helped so many people. Yeah, we've, yeah. we've helped a lot of people. And that's that's the really rewarding thing. I mean. Yeah, what does that look like? Some of the lives that you've changed. Can you tell us some of those stories? Early on, we had different laws. So we were doing California cannabis, things with THC in them, right? Mm-hmm. So we worked on a project where we made uh, like cannabis concentrate edible oil. And we put, it was like 13 people into remission that we know of. Wow. One of them in particular stood out because she was pregnant. She was 24 and there was metastatic breast cancer. So that story always to me like stood out because now I get to see this child that's here. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I didn't really believe in it. When I came out of grad school, I was like, there's no way cannabis is curing cancer. That's just not how, you know, how how would that even work? What mechanism? I don't understand. Even though I've seen things in test tubes that allude to the fact it could, like, I really, like, didn't think it would work so well. But there's a lot of people in remission because of us. And there's people alive, like, babies born. (laughs) That's insane. And then some of the kids we continue to treat that have extremely rare genetic disorders. Hmm. boys with x-linked disorders which can be like deleterious at birth they don't have anything else and this is the only thing that helps <laughs> the yeah. seizures the spasms a lot of infantile spasms too which are wow. something i was born with which is super cerebral palsy caused like some spasms like that and so for hmm. me i've been medical cannabis all my life but the thca part it was like wow, this is really doing something, you know? And so I continue to use it. You know, I use all kinds of cannabinoids in my (laughs) regimen, but I do enjoy THCA. And the side effect of, because everyone asks, like, what if a normal, I don't know who's normal, but like a normal person without (laughs) health issues or pains or aches, because it helps pain too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Always inflammation, I think of mostly when you're dealing with most of our patients, I think it's inflammation. But the side effect is like normal people would take it feel happy at least. They feel like they're having a better day. And mm-hmm. a lot of them told me like they forgot they even took it until they realized they had a good day. It was kind of a good day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the sun is shining. So it's a really interesting effect without it actually getting someone high. Because like you can be mm-hmm. high on THC and be very happy. But if you ever go a certain threshold, you might start reacting really weird. It's, becomes mm-hmm. more psychedelic, it becomes more deep. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, she knows all about that. Yeah, I've had that experience. <laughs> I've had a slight experience with that. For people that want the effects of medical cannabis without the high, THCA is perfect. And then CBDA, we're kind of seeing the same thing. It's like CBD, but it's a little bit on the happy side for whatever reason. And so wow. we think those cannabinoids are actually more alike than THC and CBD. We think THC and CBD have their thing, and then these acidic ones have their different. So we'll That's see. <laughs> we, unbelievable. <laughs> That's unbelievable. So what experience do you have with psilocybin? And what's the connection or the differences between psilocybin and cannabis? Well, this is really interesting. I do you have a YouTube channel, The Dr. Cross? Okay. And I do a psychedelic biochemistry kind of course. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about all psychedelics and things that act like psychedelics have to be decarboxylated. It's a conserved reaction amongst every psychedelic element. So psilocybin is the chemical in magic mushrooms, right? But until it's psilocin, it can't affect you. That's why people have that gap after they take mushrooms, if you, especially if you eat them like whole or dried. Oh, my God. Especially dried. You have to give them a lot of time. You have to give yourself a lot of water. Because the stomach acids, what they do is decarboxylate psilocybin into psilocin. And then the psilocin goes into your bloodstream and you feel the effect. So that takes a little bit of time because your stomach needs to be warm, acidic. You have to have all these factors, right? Just to go back to THCA is also undecarboxylated THC. So THC is the result of decarboxylating THCA. Just background. So these are all like kind of reaction which is interesting so i always like to eat mushrooms i think they're great for expanding your perspective um when i was young i took a lot of mushrooms but then i stopped actually eating mushrooms when i went to mexico and learned how to brew the tea it's like a low heat kind of deal and you add lemon and i was like oh that's like a stomach warm water acid acid and they were explaining to me, like, it's going to feel different than, you know, how you Americanos do it, because they're like a cult, mushroom cult, I guess. <laughs> so this is what a, you know, descendants of Maria Sabina, they were like, holy. Mm-hmm. And they made this tea. And sure enough, as soon as I drank it, it was like, and I wow. just like took off. I mean, I shouldn't say it, it wasn't that dramatic, but <laughs> I this was like a rush, you know, and sure enough it hit me right away but then it wore off like in a few hours too and i wasn't as intense and i think that's just because i didn't vomit and stuff yeah yeah because <laughs> once the vomiting hits it's like Ugh. but i never ate mushrooms after that i always make this tea because <laughs> i hate throwing up number one like <laughs> you're I like let's get this clear i haven't tried any mushrooms that made me throw up so i don't think i would like that either yeah I throw up from everything. Everything makes me dizzy. I just, yeah, I've thrown up LSD, which is not typical. <laughs> it's like, you feel like throwing up, like, everything makes me throw up. Everything. <laughs> so now when I use the tea, it's like a little more controlled, I feel like, you know, grown, grown status. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't have all weekend to play with the flowers, you know. Yeah. Um, but- <laughs> I love that. I don't have all weekend to. Like, I love making mushroom tea. It's 
it's uh it's great that's how i store mushrooms and honey mm. so you make honey, the tea and then put in the honey yeah honey keeps them from degrading it's a preservative yes yeah like like centuries <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of no, there's a lot of stuff mm -hmm. that's been preserved through honey for like I think they've actually found magic mushrooms in honey or it might have been Amanita, sorry. Amanita mm -hmm. up in the Nordic area. Wow. Honey, just, wow. Honey, honey. <laughs> so what would you say to someone who is considering trying alternatives that can help them? with their well-being and their overall wellness. What is your thoughts around that? I'm really conservative about that, I guess, because I'm always, I have a motto, it's go low and go slow. Ooh. You don't know how <laughs> things are gonna affect you. And if you're on different medications, like herbs can really just exacerbate certain symptoms. It can make your medications not work. So I always tell people go, you know, ask your physician, of course. Um, big fan of that because yeah. I am not a physician. Um, yeah. <laughs> but always go low and go slow because you just don't know, you know, mm -hmm. especially with stuff like cannabis or psilocybin, you don't really know. Some of the cannabis is now tested. That's good. But I find the testing to be, it doesn't tell you how it's going to affect you, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm always, everyone's like, different. Yeah, and I grow my own, and I still try it, like, because I've got, I've grown my own weed that's gotten over on me, and I'm like, whoa, mm. that was really strong, you know? Really? Like, oh, yeah. you've done it, you've done it, perfect, you know, you've killed yourself. I've done that. <laughs> that experience. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. enter at your own risk. <laughs> yeah. Go slow, <laughs> go slow, go low. You know, I think have this really... tendency to go in full force and just right. take so much it's, of stuff. And I'm like, it sounds like self-awareness, right? It does yeah. sound yeah, like self-awareness. It, it sounds like, like knowing or at least exploring you and your experiences and not what the other person said, not what they said on my holistic mm -hmm. life podcast, not what, right. you know, Dr. It's Cross said, it's, you know, yeah. competition. <laughs> yeah. I think my takeaway here is that there are alternatives. You know, I feel like that's my takeaway. There are alternatives and we have to learn them for ourselves. Right. right. Like each situation is different and each person is different. That's my takeaway from today. My takeaway is that I'm going to try some tea. Because <laughs> I'm just curious now. Yeah, I've never tried mushrooms, and I think the way you describe the tea just makes me a little more open. Mm. Mm. It's, it's a dip of the foot. It's a very yeah. a toe in kind of tea. Yeah. yeah, it's like and dip the toe tea in too. You know, you can self titrate, which I'm a huge mm -hmm. fan of because you don't always want to go someplace. Sometimes you want to stay mm. in your home, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So Dr. Brandy Makiba Cross, is there anything that you feel that you would love for our listener to know that we didn't talk about? Oh my goodness. Everything. <laughs> I know. What kind of question is that? Right. 
I hope a lot of your listeners will keep an eye out for the Equalizer Project because we are going to be recruiting for that and it's going to be amazing. It's an all-Black research team, mm-hmm. including myself and two Black men, two PhDs, an MD-PhD. <laughs> so nice. we have also someone in the holistic side helping out. So it's going to be interesting and fun. So keep an eye out for that. And we will. And come hang out on our website. We wouldn't mind adding a few members. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We'll make sure we have all of that information in our show notes. Thank you so much. We honor you, thank you. and thank you for sharing thank this you. such deep so conversation. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad you had a good time. And we will be in touch. Thank you so much, Randy. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Thanks. Bye. This week's holisticism is I stay in a state of self-awareness as I navigate new avenues for healing, for my healing. (laughs) I like that. Our audience question for the week is what has been your favorite tip from season three? Head over to our IG and let us know. Join the conversation. Yes. Yes. All right, y'all. Go out and make it an amazing week. Bye. Hey, boo. Hey, Natasha McRae here. I want to personally invite you to join the whole nation where the conversation continues. Go to myholisticlife.com where you can take the how ho fabulous are you quiz, share your thoughts and ask questions and join in on the fun with our polls and challenges. Be a part of a community ready to enjoy a life of happiness, satisfaction, and serenity. Join us at myholisticlife.com.